0: The Courage to Lead, episode 189. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you are having a phenomenal week. I'm having a great week, and I'm happy to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Raj Subramayor. Raj is a tech career strategist focusing on helping people land their dream job and become successful leaders. He's passionate about guiding professionals to maximize their opportunities and discover their zone of genius. Raj has given multiple TEDx talks and is a sought-after speaker at various conferences. He's been featured in numerous TV segments, podcasts, and publications, including CBS, BBC. Fox, NPR, NBC, magazines like Entrepreneur, CEO World, CIO, and Authority magazines, and more. His areas of expertise include career advancement, leadership motivation, productivity, mental health, diversity and inclusion, and entrepreneurship. In his spare time, he loves traveling and enjoying craft beer. Raj, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. Craft beer. What kind of beer do you like?
1: I like all types of beer except for IPAs, sour beers, and tart beers.
0: Yeah. I'm not a big sour beer fan. I do like IPAs. I also like stouts. I've, I'm not a snob. I'm not a beer snob, but I cannot drink just mass-produced, you know, the butter. Oh beers, yeah, same, same thing here. Yeah. I think
1: life is too short to drink shitty beer. And uh, in my basement, I have 150 different types of beers. Excellent. So when I say I like craft beer, I actually mean it. Actually and mean that's the only reason it. I work out because the more I work <laughs> out, the more beer I can have. Um but in terms of IPAs, I do like hazy IPAs, which is the less happy version of IPA, citrusy, refreshing. Okay. But then people go crazy and making the beer so bitter. And okay. for some reason, people, you know, do not they like it. And and then I tell them the story about the IPAs where the British folks had to put halves to preserve the beer when they shipped it to India, right? And that's how the IPA, Indian Pale Ale, name actually came, right? But now people go crazy, loading it up, loading it up with hops. So yeah, that's not uh, uh, my jam. So yeah, yeah. I, don't I know like the, the citrus stars and double yeah. IPAs. So I don't do that.
0: Nice. Yeah, I like the the citrusy IPAs. Yeah, definitely very cool. All right, we're going to talk about beer offline then, because I've got some <laughs> uh, some things to share with you. I'm um, interested in learning all about who you are, what you do, and how you do it. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Um, listeners will know these are the questions from the TV show Inside the Actor Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, yeah, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Raj, let me ask you 10 questions, please. What is your favorite word? Uh,
1: consistency.
0: What is your least favorite word?
1: Uh, Least favorite word would be uh, fear.
0: Okay. What turns you on?
1: Talking to people.
0: What turns you off?
1: People who think too much about themselves.
0: Absolutely. All right. What sound or noise do you love?
1: Oh, ocean sounds for sure. Ocean wave sounds. In fact, I use that for while I sleep as well. Yeah. Cool. All right.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
1: I hate the sound of, uh, uh, when you lose transmission cable transmission, then you have the shh sound. I hate that sound. You know, it's mind numbing, but (laughs) yes, funny story. Kids use it, small kids use it as a white noise mm-hmm. thing for put them to sleep, but yeah, yeah. for me, now, it doesn't at all.
0: <laughs> not so much. All right, question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Shit. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Um, I would say ultra marathons, being, becoming an ultra runner and doing ultra marathons.
0: Nice. What profession would you not like to do?
1: <laughs> what profession i'd never want to be a chef because it's yeah you, you do great service but still you don't get appreciated sometimes yeah
0: That is true all right final question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates
1: <laughs> you made a difference in people's lives excellent absolutely
0: and i think you have and we're going to come back and talk about just how you've done that we're going to talk about how you got your start where you are now who you help, how you help them, and at some point transition into courage and leadership. All right, mm-hmm. all right listeners, we're gonna talk about all of that and more right after this, so stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back, and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine any more. You can have that and more when you join my business success mastermind group. Join my business success mastermind group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Raj Supermeyer. Good to meet you, sir, and uh, glad to have you on the program. So your background is in engineering, right? Automation. Um, Did you know from an early age that's what you wanted to be? Did you want to be an engineer?
1: Funny story, so most of the Asian listeners or viewers would actually know this. When you're born in an Asian family, you're pretty much given three choices. You can either be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And then I chose the engineering path. And that's a true story. And since then, I've been in the tech space for close to 17 years now. So to answer your question, no, I didn't mean to become an engineer, but there was the option which was given to me. And my brother is an engineer as well. And, uh, that's, and that's how I started in the tech space. And then as and when I went through the tech space, I discovered a lot about myself went through a lot of uh, success and failures and this made me who I am today. And you've written
0: a lot. You've written for a lot of, I mean, your blogs and everything like that. And a lot of different magazines picked up stuff. Do you enjoy writing? Is that something you've always enjoyed?
1: So one of the things I believe in is uh, providing value. I believe everyone has something to offer to this world, their experiences, their stories, their failure stories, their success stories, their, there there are always things which you could help people with. So I'm the same way. And uh, I think since 2012, I uh, decided that, you know, I want to share different things I learned with the community. So I started doing that, via speaking and writing as well. And writing helps because uh, when people, you know, are on their phones and want to read something, then when you have, some written articles, then people can skim through it. So I thought, okay, writing is a great way to, do, to put your thoughts across. So yeah, since 2012, I think I would have written about 150 plus articles on various different topics. And it really helps in multiple ways. One is giving value to people. Mm-hmm. Then second thing is establishing trust and credibility that you know you're a person who knows what they're talking about. And third thing is then people come to you for help instead of you trying to search for people to help so in that way it just really served me like writing articles and speaking as well absolutely
0: yeah anytime you can publish something like that um i know you have a book out we'll talk about that in a minute you've done a lot of guest speaking keynote speaking everything like that that sets you up as the the guru right it sets you up as the 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 professional the go-to person and people start seeking you out
1: exactly and i think it's part of your personal brand so Till about four years ago, I was working for someone else. And I knew that eventually I wanted to do something on my own. And even when I was working for someone else, I took the effort to build my personal brand, which included speaking, writing, taking extra courses, growing my network, then uh, updating my LinkedIn profile, then start posting content. So all of these things build up your personal brand. Because this is the thing. Say you want someone to take you seriously you need to show trust and credibility and provide value. So how are you going to do that? These are the ways you do it through speaking, writing, and the other ways we we just talked about. Because say you have a product or a service, you cannot tell people, hey, buy this product, buy this service, why are they going to buy it from you? Because you haven't actually built that trust, built that credibility. Instead, provide the value, establish, that trust and credibility, then people automatically come to you. And especially if you have new services or products and immediately you have, you build your own tribe. So that's why I believe not only if you're an entrepreneur, but even if you have a full-time job working for someone else, your personal brand is what is going to set you apart from your competition. So constantly keep thinking about ways to improve yourself and um, make yourself more marketable. Because you are your best salesperson. If you are not going to market yourself, then no one else is going to do it for you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. So now you, you help people, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Land their dream jobs, become more successful. The people you're helping with, are they, are they staying within their, their same employer and just looking for advancement within the same company? Or are they looking to do something totally different?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So I usually get people from different contexts and different personas. So what do I mean by that? So I do tech career coaching. So I help people specifically in the tech space, in the engineering related jobs to navigate their next path in their careers and make them effective or better leaders. So that being said, I usually get mid to senior level folks who already have a job and who want to get better in leading teams or who want to get into leadership roles within the same company, or people who feel stuck in their careers and they're really looking for a different opportunity somewhere else, and then they really want guidance on how to do that. So it's both sides actually. So people with, who already have jobs, who want to move into leadership roles or already leading teams within the same company, or people who want to move out from the company and find something different, which suits their strengths. So. That is the kind of uh, people, majority of the people I help. But there's also a small percentage of people who are coming from a non-tech space who want to get into the tech space, but that's a very small percentage of people I help on a case-by-case basis. And the best success story for that is my wife, who actually was a sales consultant. And then she hated her sales job. Then I said, honey, you really have great, Uh, aptitude to learn things. And uh, I think you should try to get into tech. One thing led to another for three weeks. I trained her on the basics of software, how databases work, how things work. Then she attended an interview, got a job. And then 11 years down the line, she's an IT consultant, right? So I have a living proof that (laughs) change is possible if you let it happen, right? So, But to summarize, so that's the kind of people I help. And a common trait with all of them, uh, who I help, is they are always the underdogs or labeled by society that they are not good enough. They they do not matter. They do not have the strengths. They do not have the skill sets. Those are the kind of people I like to work with because it resembles my past me. Because I was that kind of guy. I was the guy who was a shy, introverted kid who uh, never believed in himself, and then everyone labeled me. As said, uh, you don't matter. You're not good enough. You have to do this. This is not good for you. And then it took me 20 years to realize that um, I was living a false life. I was living someone else's uh, life instead of my own life, right? I was letting other people's opinions be my reality. And when I realized that I cannot be, please everyone, but first I have to please myself and then do things for myself. That's when that whole that my life changed, my mindset shifted mm-hmm. from a place of scarcity to abundance. But the point is my general persona of people who I help are the underdogs and that's who I serve.
0: Yeah. yeah I remember reading in, in uh, your bio, I, I forget if it was on your LinkedIn profile or on your website, you talk about being shy and introverted. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what happens to people then as they start trying to please the other people or doing what they think? And, and is that how they get stuck?
1: Yeah, people get stuck in various ways, but one of the common ways of people getting stuck is like what you just mentioned, where you start comparing yourself with other overachievers around you, and then you want to live up to their expectations. But every time you try to live up to their expectations, you end up getting disappointed because you realize that you can never live up to people's expectations because they're unreal. So this constant constant um, habit of trying to please others ends up in bitter disappointment. And the more disappointment you face, then you start getting into the shell. You feel like an outcast, you shut yourself from society. Then you start you start defining life based on what's happening around you. And that's what ends up making you a shy introverted kid. You feel stuck and you you, you just give up. But then I believe every individual hits a point where you're going to take this anymore. And you are, you, you have two choices when you hit that rock bottom, right? The first choice is, okay, recognize it. And then see what to do about it. Uh, the second option is recognize it and then continue the same way you're living. And that'll be the rest of your life. Well, and Not you get into that, that cycle, right? To where if you feel
0: bad about yourself, people put you down, you feel bad about yourself, they put you down. Exactly.
1: For me, luckily, I chose the first option where I realized, you know what? I can't take this anymore. I'm done. Screw society because I know I have my own skill sets. I know I have my own strengths. I'm going to carve my own identity. I'm going to strive for greatness. And that's when the real transformation happened. And everyone goes through that process. But the difference is whether you're going to do something about it. And when I say do something about it, people think radical changes. No, no. I'm talking about small, small steps to push you out of your comfort zone. So, for example, I had a trigger even at the age of 20 when um, I still remember this moment vividly because I was in my study room Uh, and then all of a sudden my chest started hurting and the pain was increasing minute by minute. At that point, I thought I was getting a heart attack, but now I know it was my first panic attack. Then I tears started pouring from my eyes and then I just was crying profusely for two hours because all these feelings which had bottled up inside me over the period of 20 years, it just blew up at that point of time because I couldn't handle it anymore. And literally I took a paper and pen and and I wrote down all my fears. I had fear of being judged, fear of being ignored, fear of failure, um, fear of public speaking. And I wrote down all those fears. And then at the sight of all those fears, whatever at that point I thought, were the things I'm going to do to overcome those fears? I literally wrote it on the side of that. And my whole life has been overcoming those fears. The past 20 years has been about overcoming those fears one by one. And for each fear, I have a story, actually. And, uh, and one of the famous stories is about how I got rid of my fear of public speaking. But the point is, uh, so I decided to do something about it by writing it down in Figuring out, okay, what are the small, small steps which can push me out of my comfort zone? So for those of you who are listening or watching, I would say that you don't have to take huge, make huge changes, but write down your current state. Mm -hmm. Write down what are the things you feel is getting you stuck. And then identify like, say, three things which you're going to do to move you further one step at a time, and that's all it is. And it's, and it's slow, gradual progress, because we live in this world where no one believes in the power of delayed gratification. So what right. I mean by that is, say you want to go to the gym, then immediately they want a six pack and lose 50 pounds within a week. Right. Unless you get a surgery, it's hard to do that, yeah. right? But you have to believe in the process. You go to the gym consistently for five, six months, and then you start seeing results, and again, nothing against people, you know, who do not go to the gym. I'm just giving this as an example. I'm not body shaming here. I'm just giving a random example because I believe in fitness and that's what drives me. But for all of you, there may be some other things which drives you, but the point is you have to do the work and stay consistent because remember like in one of your, that, the rapid fire 10 questions, what's your favorite word? The favorite word is consistency. Even when you do not feel like doing the work, that's when you have to show up and stay consistent. And that's what it's all about. So when you stay consistent, do the work, gradually you're going to see changes. And that's what it's all about. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, the consistency, taking those small steps and just being consistent about it. That is excellent. Um, so tell me about your book, Skyrocket Your Career. Did that come out of some of the things that you've learned about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I always had this mindset of doing doing something to impact people. So I started doing speaking, I started doing writing. And then in March of 2020, COVID hit really bad in the United States. And what happened was a lot of people started contacting me via LinkedIn saying, hey, I lost my job, I just got laid off. I'm the only uh, breadwinner for my family and now I don't have a job, how am I gonna support them? I need your help and stuff like that. So throughout March, I was actually helping people for free. I helped about 35 to 40 people. And then half of them got jobs or got promotions even during the midst of the pandemic. That's when I started realizing that, wow, there are millions of people have got laid off. A lot of people are struggling with this. What if I do something to share these strategies which are helping these 40 people on a larger scale? Speaking was out of the question because all my speaking gigs literally came to a zero to a halt because all in-person events were canceled and there were only very few virtual events and virtual events were not that big a thing <laughs> until now you know so i thought okay what else i could do that's when i realized you know what let me just write a book about different strategies to help people Find a dream job, be successful in it, and transform into a rock star. And that's literally the subtitle of my book as well. And that's and I wrote my book in thirty-five days. Wow! Every day from eight to ten p.m. while taking care of my kid full time, while running my business, but I wanted to do it. But then writing is one thing. But then people do not tell you that proofreading, mm-hmm. <laughs> post-production That's is where the totally, work totally different ballgame. <laughs> so I wrote the book in April. By the end of April, I had all the content because literally I practiced them on a daily basis. But then to release the book, uh, add worksheets, build a website where people can download stuff, it took till November. And then I released the book uh, November, 2020. And uh, yeah, I was very grateful that it got really good reception. So it hit Number five on the Amazon bestseller list. It was there for two months. And then my book won the best nonfiction book award in 2021 by Reader's Favorite. And what that means is just like how you have Oscar for movies, you have Reader's Favorite for books. And then mine was awarded the Silver Medal uh, for the best nonfiction book. So it really took off and then it has helped a lot of people. So that's kind of the whole story of the book. My key and the goal was to get was to help people who feel stuck in their careers, who feel that, you know, they don't know, they, they can't go take the next step. But I wanted, I wanted this book to provide the guidance to help them uh, uh, to figure out their career paths and then have positive personal life and career transformation. So that was the whole goal of the book. And one thing which people could really relate to was the book is only 99 pages. And the subtitle was The No Bullshit Approach to Find Your Dream Job. And I really mean it because... People have only so much time, okay? And yes, nothing against books, which are 400 pages long, 500 pages long. Tim Ferriss has Tools of Titans, which is like 550 pages or something. Those are all great things, but the point is you also have to adapt to the times right. and, and people really want strategies you know, right off the bat. So the whole book is filled with my experiences going through different things and how I made the transformation and what are the strategies I use and how you can implement it in your daily jobs as well. So yeah, that's the story of, of my book. And, uh, and if people go to skyrocket, they can download the first chapter for free nice. because I hate, I hate it when people, you know, talk great things about their book and the book is really shitty when you actually, uh, you know, read it. But now I give, readers an opportunity to make their own judgment. So they can download the first chapter for free and download all the free templates, everything from the website, even without buying the book. But then once you get the value, then you will want to buy the book. And uh, so, yeah, that's the whole story about my book and why I wrote
0: it. Very cool. And then you've been a TEDx speaker twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the one present and I, I watched the videos again this morning and stuff. And they're, they're awesome. One presentation, you admit that you were a toxic leader. Mm-hmm. What, What did you mean by that? What what was the story behind that?
1: So from a young age, I had this inferiority conflict that I wasn't good enough. That's because I was constantly compared to other overachievers around me. I was this average kid. I grew up in a family where my dad, for example, was, uh, since he was born, he studied in scholarships. And then you have my brother, who is a genius. He has three masters and a PhD. And then there I was the average kid who who didn't do well in anything. You name it, academic, sports, dating. I was average in everything. And I was constantly being compared to other people. And I felt like, you know, I wasn't good enough. I didn't matter. So when I finally entered the workforce in tech, I wanted to prove to people that I can carve my own identity. I wanted to prove people they're wrong. I wanted to prove to people that I can get all the fame and credibility and make people respect me. That was my motive. So for the first 10 years of my life in tech, I was uberly successful. Like I was a rated star performer in six out of my seven companies. I exponentially increased my salary by over 150% in 10 years. And I'm not even exaggerating. And then I got all the fame and credibility I wanted. But then I started feeling a side effect of it, which is all this fame and credibility still made me feel isolated and empty, which started building a lot of toxic traits within me, which I, which I started displaying as a normal part of who I was. And these toxic traits were affecting other people around me, but I did it anyways, because I wanted to succeed. And This repeated consistently over a period of time, you get desensitized towards your actions. You feel that, okay, that's a normal part, normal thing, which people do. And then you live in a false reality. And that's what I went through. And I had become a toxic leader because me working with other toxic leaders when I was growing up in India uh, gave me a false sense of reality. I thought that if you're in a position of leadership authority, then people, people need to do whatever you say. And then I came to the United States and started displaying the same patterns. And then it took forced awareness and getting caught red-handed, doing something which you will see from the, my TEDx talk and confessions. it's called Confessions of a Toxic Leader. And it took, m- took me get to that point to realize that I had to make a change. And that's when... I had to get out of toxic leadership and uh, make the passive change, right? And now I help other toxic leaders in the industry to make the passive change because change is possible. And when you know what things toxic leaders go through, you can you know relate to that and then you can help them see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what I do. But yeah, toxic leadership is basically trying to, Uh, um, create an environment which is hostile, which is judgmental. Um, You take away the freedom from your direct reports and employees to challenge the status quo, to have open ideas and things like that, right? And uh, that's what toxic environment is. And in fact, according to a recent study, 73% of people in the United States alone have worked with the toxic boss, right? So it's a global problem, and I wanted my TEDx talk through my story to let to help other toxic leaders come out of the classes.
0: Nice, yeah. I know you. you uh, one of the things you talk about on your website, humanizing the toxic leader, right? Uh, to create a healthier work culture. Culture is huge. We've talked about culture a lot on this program. What toxic cultures look like, and everything like that. In your experience, what what are some of the indicators? Uh, how would a, a leader know if they've develop a toxic culture? What kind of things should they look for?
1: So one thing, the main things actually, but some of the main heavy hitters, which I've seen through my experience and coaching other people who are going through this uh, process is uh, first thing is you always wanna have the spotlight irrespective of what the situation is. Mm-hmm. You'll insert yourself in conversations, which you think is gonna benefit you for your future. You'll always find loopholes to get better and to one-up your competitors. You're always in the fear of being ignored. So you you want to keep doing something relevant so that people notice you. You always want to uh, take credit for other people's actions. And then when there's any problems, then you, you try to Finger point them towards other people, right? So these are like some common traits you can start seeing if you are a toxic leader, and you have this constant fear that people are watching every step you take. so you're always on this lookout and you're paranoid. Every step you take, someone is watching you. but the actual reality reality is no one cares about what you do. they care only about your actions and the results. Yeah. but As a toxic leader, you start going through these emotions. Then you enter the second phase. This is just the first phase. Then you enter the second phase where you won't be able to sleep at night. You know you're guilty, but you don't want to talk to other people because you're frightened that you'll be canceled by other people. Hmm. Then you know that you need to make a change, but you feel it's too late right now. You feel that there's something missing and there's always some competitors who you have to compete with to get to the next level. These are the next phase of feelings you actually go through, right? So yeah, so those are the things which actually help you recognize that, okay, there's something going on here and you need to sit down, write down all these feelings which you're going through and see why you're feeling a certain way. And that is the first step to recognizing those feelings and then trying to make a change. Wow,
0: yeah, and I think a lot of businesses have experienced this at one point or another. That toxicity that creeps in, and if you don't jump on it right away, it, it can it can ruin the business.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's. I think there was a, I think there's this um, research done by the Chicago School of Psychology, and they term it as counterintuitive work behavior, CWB. And in the United States alone, over $200 billion have been lost because of CWB. And that's the impact you can have on the organizational level. So that's why it's really important to do two things. One is the individual has to recognize that they are exhibiting some toxic traits. Second thing is from an organizational level, you have to figure out how you can reduce toxic leadership and there are various ways to do that. But the point is those are the two key things you want to keep in mind. If you really want to, you know, attack this problem, which has been a global problem for a long time now. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. I want to talk about courage a little bit because you've shown a lot of courage uh, from starting off as a shy introverted uh, kid to come out of your shell, right. To get up on a public Stage and and speak in front of people to uh, writing your book, all of those things showed a lot of courage. Where did that courage come from for you?
1: The courage came from not caring about other people, to Mm -hmm. be very honest with you, because um, for the first 20 years of my life, I thought, you know, I should please other people. But then I realized that the first person I have to answer to is myself. And the courage came when I let go of other people's labels, because this is the thing, you are in control of other people's labels. People can give you different labels that you're not good enough, you don't matter, you have to do this, this is not right for you, but you choose what labels you wanna associate yourself with. You can associate yourself with labels like, yes, I am good enough, I can carve my own identity. I am, I have skill sets. I can add value. So thoughts, thoughts are always neutral. You label them as positive or negative. So when I came to that realization, that's what helped me to build the courage. And on a high level, it was about not caring about what other people think, but trying to first focus inward within yourself and just focus on you. And then other things happen. So this doesn't mean that you can be a dick to people, but what I'm trying to say here is that you really have to focus on what you already have because that's the thing. You already have the strengths. You already have things to provide to people and to provide to yourself and impact people in a positive way. You just have to discover that, put in time to do that. And once you start honing in on those five, six things, which gives you joy, which helps you impact people, then you start getting different ideas and then you you build your own reality. Instead of caring about what other people think, then you do meaningful work and then other people start noticing you so always focus on you and don't care about what other people think so that's that's how I got the courage to make the change
0: and courage is feeling the fear but doing it anyways right so when you were getting ready to go up in front of people and do your keynote speeches your TEDx talks you still felt the fear I'm sure but yeah you go through it right and you do it and it's those small steps consistently that get you past that fear Right. Definitely, because
1: when it comes to fear, there are two ways of looking at it. I think a majority of people, including me, many times, we let fear consume us, and then it 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 uh, cripples you from moving forward. But instead, if you use fear to drive you, that's a totally different way of thinking about fear. You should let everyone needs to have fear to do stuff. Okay, if you don't have fear, then you'll just be sitting in your couch and then having Doritos and then watching Netflix. <laughs> you need but... some fuel to move you forward. And that's where fear comes in the picture. But a lot of people, you fear from a negative standpoint, but instead of letting it consume you, you let it drive you. And yes, it can create anxiety and stuff, but some level of anxiety is good anxiety. Because that's when you're going to do stuff. If you don't have anything to account for or anything, you don't have anything to drive you, then, you know, you're not going to get further in your goals. So um, I think that's how you want to view fear as something which drives you. Nice.
0: And then um, I know on your website, you have a a download. People can get the five effective leadership traits from a leadership standpoint. how How many folks do you have working for you right now
1: or with you right now? So I have six people in my company who work for me and
0: um, yeah. And then in your past lives, you've had other people reporting to you. At different Oh yeah. Yeah. Things. So in
1: my past life when I'm working for other companies, I've led teams of five people to 50 people. For example, in my last company, when I had a real job, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually managing 48 people across the globe, across the United States, Europe, Asia, um, Canada, and so, and so many different places. And then right now, I run my own company, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I have six employees. And I try to focus on the creative aspect of my work, and then I try to outsource the admin stuff and other things which I hate to do to other people. Right, so that's how I've actually structured my business. Still, you know, sometimes I have to do the admin work, but because I have to write the content on LinkedIn, no one can write content, right? So, yeah. Most of the times I like writing content, but I have, I'm human. Sometimes I don't feel like writing content, right? And I'd, sometimes I wish, you know what? I wish I had a clone of Raj who could write the content. But, you know, <laughs> sure. that'll, that'll be possible soon enough in the metaverse. But it's still, there's a lot of work in, in that yeah. regard. It'll yeah, so I yeah, so I have my uh, fair share of um, leading nice. teams.
0: So if I was to bump into any of these people and ask them what kind of leader you are, what do you think they tell me? What kind of leader are you?
1: I think people would say I'm uh, empowered. I, I practice empowered leadership. Empowered leadership. So what do I mean by that? Whenever people come to me with problems, the f- the first thing I ask them, okay, I hear the problems. What are some solutions which you thought about? Anyone can complain, but it's harder to actually think about solutions yourself. So I force people to think. I force people to be creative. I empower them. I I set goals, develop the person, motivate the person, and then sit back and watch them. And I interfere only when needed. So that is a key for me, empowered leadership. And that's who I am. That's how I coach as well. So if you meet someone, they they would say that, man, Raj really helped me get to the next level. He really made me think out of the box. And most of that work was by them. I just asked a question saying, okay, I hear that, but what's the real challenge here for you? So I ask questions to help them think through stuff instead of just directly giving the answers, right? That's, right. that's the difference between coaching and consulting. Right. As a consultant, you say, okay, do this, 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 and this is going to work like this. But coaching is a totally different ballgame. You have to empower other people to think for themselves because when you're not there, they have to think through, right? And there's this amazing quote, um, I may be paraphrasing it, but it it goes something like this. Leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure the impact lasts long after your absence, Exactly. So that is key. So even when you're not there, things have to work the way it should. People need to know at any point of time, what are their expectations? What do they bring to the table? How does their work add value to the company? So if you think about all these things and then talk about that consistently, then people feel empowered, more motivated, and uh, that could also help to re- reduce um, you know, people moving jobs and in the spirit of great resignation, these are some yeah. things you really want to think about as a leader
0: absolutely absolutely concur so what's next for you? You've done so much, accomplished so much what's next?
1: I still feel you know there's so many things uh I want to do. Uh, one of the things is I want to do more speaking at a larger level for companies so that I can impact people on a larger scale. Um, I'm working on my online course because a lot of people have asked me for that. So it's coming up in a month. So uh, just follow me on LinkedIn. Then you will get updates on that. Um, Yeah. So those are the two main things I'm actually really uh, excited about and uh, I'm looking forward to where this uh, journey takes me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Good stuff. All right. So if people do want to get in touch with you or follow you, how can they do that? What's your website?
1: So there are two ways you can get in touch with me. One is uh, go to my personal website, which is rajsubra.com. R-A-J-S-U-B-R-A.com. You'll find all my life's work, how I help people, all my content, which I write, all the podcasts I've been on, my talks have been on, everything is on my website. Also, I pretty much live on LinkedIn. 24 seven. So make sure you follow me there, connect with me there and just ping me. And I would love to you know, make build my network and then talk to people. I post co- uh, content every single day wow. uh, related to various different topics, related to career events and motivation, mindset, leadership, productivity. So if that's your jam, then definitely make sure you follow me on LinkedIn and connect with me there. So those are the two ways uh, you can definitely connect with me. Very cool. Excellent.
0: Yeah. The the download of five effective leadership traits is available on your website um, and your book skyrocket your career. Very cool.
1: Yeah. And a lot more freebies on my personal website, apart from just the leadership stuff. Okay. So if you scroll down, you'll see that. And on my skyrocketyourcareerbook.com website, which is the book website, you'll find a lot more templates and worksheets to help you advance in your career and figure out what your next step in your career is going to be as well. So
0: Excellent. Very cool. All right. I will make sure all those links are in the show notes for everybody so they can get in touch with you. Raj, thanks again for for being on the program. Really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and I appreciate appreciate the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. All right. Listeners, hope you guys have taken a lot of notes, uh, a lot of good information here. Definitely don't leave your career up to chance. Make a plan, decide what it is you want to do. And yeah, check out the website, check out the book, And uh, get in touch with Raj. He can help you, right? And uh, share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.